Now, before we begin, we've just noticed that there is actually an American documentary and a book with the same name as our podcast. And we just wanted to emphasize that we have absolutely no affiliation whatsoever with that movement. Unless, of course, you liked it. Welcome again to The Muslims Are Coming, with me, Ash, and my sewage-defying, brilliantly bombastic buddy, Billy Bazooka. Bonjour. In today's action-packed show, we'll be discussing whether Chelsea fans know what century it is, what ISIS and Ronnie O'Sullivan have in common, and, apart from refusing to publish incriminating evidence of swindling the public, what other services The Telegraph provides its sponsors. This week we're starting with a new story from France, where several fans from Chelsea Football Club were caught on camera refusing black passenger Suleiman S from boarding a train on the Paris Metro. The Chelsea fans, who were in France for the Champions League game against Paris Saint-Germain, were caught singing, We're racist and that's the way we like it, whilst repeatedly refusing entry to Suleiman. Three men sought in connection with an alleged racist incident involving Chelsea football fans on a Paris Metro train have been identified and if brought to trial in France, the suspects could face a three-year prison sentence and €45,000 by way of a fine. In an interview with The Guardian, Victor Suleiman said, What happened has left me really afraid. I just want justice to be done, no more than that. I was a little bit hurt physically, but in terms of morale, I was hurt a lot. It has really affected my life. Wow. <laughs> I mean... You gotta hand it to them, Ash. They weren't content with conventional notions of what it means to be a c <laughs> so they just pushed the boundaries of racism a little bit. Because us ethnics, I think we're spoiled. Because mm. I think we got too used to the sort of champagne racism of the Tories. <laughs> you know, that nuanced and subtle oppression. Because I mean it's delicate. That you wouldn't even know it was there. Mm. It was like caviar. And then in come the Chelsea boys. <laughs> And they're singing, we're racist, whilst committing a hate crime. I mean, that is about as delicate as a flying brick. <laughs> that is route one racism, Ash. That is the racism equivalent of sending it long to Crouchy. But I think for the older generation, it's quite nostalgic because it's a throwback to the good old days of racism. Yeah, exactly. Because say what you want about colonialists, Ash, mm. but at least you knew where you were with them. Yeah. At least you knew... When that whip had lashed your back <laughs> for the eighth time that day, you just had an inkling. You just had a feeling that, you know what, this guy probably doesn't like me. You know where you stood. Exactly. So thanks for your honesty. And where do you think these, uh, these tactics have come from then? I don't know. I mean, it seems like before the game, they went to some sort of convention of racist morons. <laughs> you know, you got KKK there. You got your Golden Dawn. You got Farage in the corner taking notes. <laughs> You got Kathy Newman, she was invited, but she went to the wrong convention and then she got ushered out. So that's right, Kathy Newman. We haven't forgotten about you. The world may have forgotten, but not us, not the MAC boys. No, not us. Um, but it gets be better though, Billy, doesn't it? Because um, uh, uh, one of the accused Chelsea fans was quoting a saying, and this is an actual direct quote. Oh, it wasn't just with the black people that we weren't letting on. There were white people, women, that people weren't allowing on. There was no space. Oh, God. I mean, that is, just, <laughs> that is just a poor choice of words, isn't it, Ash? I think for most people that just translated as we don't just hate black people. We also hate women and just about everyone in France as well. And Ash, it, it takes a hell of a lot for me 
to side with the French. <laughs> Why is that then? It's just that whole smug superiority complex makes me want to die a little bit on the inside every time I have a baguette. I mean, yes, they may be better looking than us, and yes, their accent is a lot more attractive, but... Do you, do you like French food? I do not, sir. <laughs> is that because it's expensive, Billy? Be honest. Don't, don't be that guy, Ash. Don't judge me. Just because I refuse to pay £200 for a flipping crab bollock on a rivita bread. <laughs> I don't care how much olive oil you drizzle on it, France. Yeah, but just to play devil's advocate, isn't French food all about delicate flavours, Billy? Delicate flavours? Who are you, Johnny Souffle? <laughs> the delicate uh, flavours and uh, how you say this in English, uh, Gérard Depardieu. Oh, pipe down, mate. <laughs> Have you heard of Emil Heskey, France? <laughs> Have you heard of Frank Butcher? <laughs> But all jokes aside, Ash, they have, I mean, to be fair, they have contributed some great things to, to world civilization. What, like uh, Notre Dame? Yeah. Um, egalitarianism? Yeah. But, I mean, that's not really, that's not really cool, is it? Uh, parkour? Parkour is French, isn't it? Parkour is French, Ash. It's basically the art of running away <laughs> in a fancy manner. <laughs> Runny joke in France. Je t'aime, France. Je t'aime. But back to the story now. I found it quite interesting that Suleiman S, who was a victim of abuse in this story, has been defined in the papers as being black, Mauritanian, even French, poor guy, but not <laughs> Muslim. I mean, do you think there's some sort of hierarchy of identity or does the media pick and choose depending on the agenda? Well, he didn't shoot or blow anyone up, did he, really? No. So mentioning the fact that he was a Muslim doesn't really add anything to the story. Mm. Apart from the fact that he is a Muslim who hasn't shot or blown something or someone up. You'll just, you'll just confuse the Daily Mail readers. But stick to the basics. Black skin, crime or racism. Brown, facial hair, veil. <laughs> Bombs, backpacks, Birmingham. Parisian Muslim of Mauritanian heritage going home to his family on the tube when racially abused by a feral band of orcs. Way too much detail. The public can't handle it. Give them what they want. Keep it simple, son. Meanwhile, Rupert Murdoch's got in on the act as well, hasn't he? Has he? Yeah, he sent out a tweet immediately after the incident, <laughs> as, uh, as he does. And he said, Maybe most Chelsea fans peaceful, but until they recognise and destroy their growing racist cancer, they must be held responsible. <laughs> um, so there you have it, Chelsea fans. It's up to you to root out this evil ideology overtaking your community, spreading through the streets of West London, hate preachers in the stands, radicalisation in pubs. It has no place in the civilised West. Not anymore, anyway. Not since the end of the slave trade and finally fleeing Nelson Mandela 150 years later. Not since the last bout of race riots in London. And definitely not since John Terry's laces, <laughs> sincere public apology for being an unadulterated, <laughs> unmitigated, class A c We love you, JT. <laughs> This week, The Telegraph has been accused of being silent on several misdemeanours relating to practices at banking giant HSBC, including closing several Muslim bank accounts without due cause and providing a tax avoidance service for hundreds of thousands of their customers. This may or may not have something to do with regular appearance of full-page advertisements of the bank in the newspaper. Now, Billy, I know that you're a frugal man. Um, 
So, are you going to be switching your custom anytime soon to HSBC? Because surely a solid gold complimentary piggy bank uh, is better than those shoddy miscellaneous stationery and uh, matinee tickets to the cinema. First of all, Ash, don't knock free stationery. <laughs> that makes a great wedding gift. You're welcome. <laughs> Secondly, I don't want to brag, but my bank balance is currently somewhere in between... Thirty-seven pounds and nine billion pounds, and that is a fact. Ash. You can't take that away from me. So HSBC did approach me and ask me to switch accounts, mm. but I said no mm. because of their shady dealings with the Telegraph. I mean, it, what they did is insane. I mean, I don't even know how that works. Hold on a sec, Ash. We've just received an email from HSBC. Dear, the Muslims are coming. Da, da, da. We want to sponsor your show. One hundred fifty thousand pounds. Advertising gaggy order. I look forward to working with you. I mean, Ash, let's not be hasty here. I mean, what do we really know about these Muslims anyway? I mean, I quite like HSBC. I like what they're about. Hold on, we just received another email. Dear, the Muslims are coming. Sorry we sent you that last email by mistake. That was meant for the people behind the American documentary of the same (laughs) name. Oh, shit, man. (laughs) Ash, HSBC is evil. I've always said that, so don't say that I didn't. All right? You can't buy us HSBC. Muslim snooker player Rory McLeod has been forced to defend himself after he was shown wearing a badge with an ISIS logo in Monday's Welsh Open match against Ronnie O'Sullivan. Some social media users were quick to jump to the conclusion that the Muslim player was supporting the extremist Islamist group, even though McLeod's waistcoat bore the logo of his sponsor for the last 14 years, the accountancy firm ISIS Business Solutions. After Twitter users bombarded the 43-year-old with messages, he tweeted links to his sponsor's website. Now, I think that's pretty hilarious. Ash, that actually reminds me of a story that happened to me once. Mm. Uh, I once used to play for a football team in North London, and we were sponsored by Nazir Kebabs in Archway. Shout out to Fat Rashid. (laughs) (laughs) And uh, one day we had a game in Golders Green, and um, right before the game, totally true story, (laughs) right before the game, a bird shat on the final letter of Nazir. No joke. And uh, that didn't go down too well in gold is green, as you can imagine, sir. A heroic cabbie who grabbed a robber's knife to protect a female passenger today spoke of his ordeal. Hackney carriage driver Bashir Patel, 50, foiled the thug in his third attempted armed robbery in just 15 minutes. Despite being left bleeding, the plucky father of three of Kennington Drive forward, Preston, was able to show officers the direction the robber had run away, leading to his arrest moments later. I had got out of my cab to open her door when I saw the man and his very large knife. He demanded my money and I kept saying, what money? He was standing very close to me and I knew I had a chance if I could just grab the knife from him. I grabbed the blade and he didn't have time to think. He let go of it and ran away. I came to Preston from India 30 years ago and have worked ever since. If he's so desperate for money... He should do the same. What a legend. So did he actually get harmed in this? Yeah, he, his fingers got cut and stuff quite deep. And uh... Oh, my God. But it's interesting that he said, what money? Mm. But I think what he really meant was, what is money? <laughs> Bashir Patel, taxi driver or 21st century Karl Marx, used to say. Something to think about, I think. And now we've got a special report from journalist Chax Daniels in the Middle East. What? I thought we weren't doing that. He's a shit, man. Just hear him out at least, Ash. Is the end 
everyone, assalamu alaikum and welcome to the first episode of Chaxa's Muslim News. Angry. angry, angry. Well, the news out there right now is that Muslims are angry. Now you might say that everyone's angry. Angry is just a human emotion. But you have to admit that with Muslims, anger is very common. It's like a wild track to our daily lives. Anger is like the baseline on which each individual Muslim plays a guitar solo. Of course, music is forbidden in Islam, so that metaphor in itself just made a few Muslims angry. Now you may say the anger is because of the heat. Muslims, most of them, live in hot countries and that's why they are so angry. Maybe it is the heat, I don't know. I'm just a humble guy who lives in the desert. But just as I don't know, doesn't mean I'm not going to find out. So I go to the most trustworthy and accurate news outlet out there, BBC News. I go to the website, I click on the search part and I search for the word Muslim. Muslim. What do I find? A whole lot of angry news. Apparently we're sending our schoolgirls overseas to fight wars. We're into this thing called love jihad. And we're just generally acting very beheady. Now let's compare this, and I did, to another ancient religious group that made a nice home for themselves here in the desert. Israelis. Let's put that word in the little BBC News search box. Okay, so the top feature stories are these. On the BBC. A murmuration or flock of starlings fly in the skies above Rahat in Israel. Now this is a beautifully caught moment where these starling birds fly in the sky. So make sure you watch it. Here's another one. Israeli divers find treasures in the sea. This is actual treasures in a wooden chest like gold coins and stuff like that. That's what Israelis have been doing while we've been running around conducting our... Love Jihad, as the BBC have called it. I love you. There's another one of my favourites here. And I think this just sums up the difference between us and them. Israeli doctors construct a fake jaw for Syrian war victims using 3D printers. Let's just hear that again. Israeli doctors, fresh off the coast after observing murmurations of starlings, finding treasures in the sea, make time to help a Syrian jawless and most likely angry Muslim man using a 3D printer. Do you know what I mean now? This is why we're angry. Why didn't we print a jaw? Don't we have 3D printers? Now I'm really angry. Billy, that was f***ing shit, man. Our hot topic this week is the idea of race. What does it mean? Why do we use it? Will Williams ever win another Grand Prix? <laughs> oh, God. I mean, actually, the last time I was called a packy, right. I was actually with you. Mm. Um, we were playing Sunday League football on Hackney Marshes. Oh, yeah, I remember that, yeah. And uh, a you member of a, the... You got a bit um, uh, frisky that day as well, didn't you? Yeah, well, a member of the opposite team, sort of portly Caucasian male, mm. he called me a packy. Yeah. And I was uh, visibly disturbed. Yeah to say the least. Yeah. But having said that, I myself have used that term many a time. Yeah. Now, that's a little bit confusing for me. So I wanted to ask you, is calling an Indian or a Pakistani a Paki the same as calling an Australian an Aussie or a Scottish person a Scotsman or a Frenchman an arrogant c- <laughs> <laughs> You really got in it for the French today, bro. Je t'aime, France. Je t'aime. <laughs> Um, well, no, because it's not the same. Because in all the cases that you gave all the normal examples, they're all yeah. simply white. And the whole thing is against white supremacy, isn't it? So these people are responding to what they feel is a, a dominant chauvinist attitude over them. 
it's not right for then the dominant to use those same rules, you know? But then, I mean, okay, well then what about black, what about the other way around? Mm. I mean, black comedians, I grew up watching a lot of these black comedies and yeah. they would point out, you know, funny things that white people did, yeah. right? And I would be like, yeah, that is funny. But it doesn't work the other way around, Ash. That's mm. actually well, looked down point, upon, isn't it? Yeah, but the whole point of satire is that you're attacking the power, it's the per- you know it's the little person attacking the big person. Right. That's what it's all about, isn't it? It's accounting power. So it makes no sense if you know the the, the power of themselves is taking the piss out of the people. Mm. You know. So imagine if like David Cameron came on the dispatch box yeah. on like Prime Minister's <laughs> question. Yeah. And like started ripping the public, saying you're all f- lazy. Yeah, yeah. You've yeah. Pipping, bought too many houses. Right. You've got too many credit cards out, and now I can't f***ing sleep at night. Fucking Michelle's doing my head in. Yeah. You're all shit. It doesn't quite work, does it? Because he's yeah. in that position. Yeah. For who's Michelle? Know, I think his wife. No, was it Samantha? Samantha. Oh shit! <laughs> <laughs> We're confusing black and white leaders. No, I think I which thinking... I think is a good thing. Yeah. I mean, we're we're all colorblind here. We don't really see race, do we? No, no, we don't. So but, well done, Ash. Or differences in names. Exactly. Yeah, so David, you know, the point is that David Cameron wouldn't come out and rip the British public, the people that he sort of mandated to serve. Yeah. In a similar sort of way, the whole point about race relations and bring and flagging it up in the first place, all these campaigns that happened, mm. was to let the dominant group, i.e. white people, know that, you know, that these dynamics have in place and for them to be right, more responsible right, right. with it. So if they then come out and start, you know using that same language having understood what it means yeah because clearly supposedly people now understand what racism means and how it affects people mm. then then they shouldn't come out and do those things so anyone arguing for that is actually either not understood the debate mm. or is actually a closet racist <laughs> and so in the light of that argument about hegemony yeah. essentially isn't it does that mean that charlie hebdo's cartoons which depicted minority groups in france and sort of poked fun at them and criticized them does that mean that a few of those cartoons are actually racist? Well, I, I think so, definitely. Because Charlie Hebdo, you know, it was a, a satirical publication based in France within the French media. So in sort of global terms, it was a dominant force, right. you know. And they had the power, what they said and what they did had the power to be disseminated around the world. And most of the cartoonists were white and French. Absolutely. There was a certain sort of cultural vantage point from which they departed from right mm. from from you know a lot of their material was based on their particular um uh, cultural gaze on the world yeah right and their cultural world is clearly dominant because it's white european mm. um part of the global north etc cetera, etc cetera. right so for them to then come out and take the piss out of minorities or take the piss out of you know um other religious schemas and stuff is mm. you know th- that in itself is it's like the same as david cameron coming on the dispatch box and having to go at you for not having much money in your bank account mm. which i i actually do have a lot of money in my bank account <laughs> just putting that out there and now it's time for badger watch <laughs> Salutations of peace, Woodland friends. Brown Badger here. This week, my question from the Shires is, should you consider voting Green? Now, as a Muslim, my touchstone electoral issues are obviously increasing welfare benefits, the mandatory introduction of halal meat to infant schools, and the expulsion from this country of Norman Tebet. 
But to be honest, I'm tired of politics as usual. Last time, our esteemed host decroyed the country's current political malaise. All the main parties seem to have coalesced into a steaming big pile of sound bites, focus groups and special interests that smells riper than a dung heap in August. The politics of convergence has become the politics of effluence. Try mixing red, blue and yellow and see what shade of brown you get. And adding purple to the mix just makes it look like you had beetroots with last Sunday's roast. Granted the Greens don't get much of a look-in from the media, despite the near-constant reports on feeding time at the UKIP Zoo, that's almost a reason in itself to give them a go. I mean, the Greens are a party with an actual elected MP, not some Tory chancer desperate for a few headlines. It's like the Westminster lobby have channeled themselves back to a children's birthday party circa 1983, and Farage is Ronald Bloody MacDonald. Some of you might say, Badge, it's all about the tactical voting. We've got to get the effing Tories out no matter what, and believe me, I'm with you in spirit, brother. But let's say Labour scraped back in on the back of a few half-hearted promises to cut tuition fees and make rich people pay actual taxes. You have to ask yourself, how long will it be, really, before they're back in the big city circle jerk with the bankers, the PFI contractors, private healthcare lobbyists and the rest. No, for me the green slogan this time round says it all. Real change. If not now, when? After all, nothing good can come of a big pile of manure except what grows out the top of it. Fresh, lovely and green. So if you'll take an old badger's advice, give green a chance in May. Till next time, country chums. Keep digging. Um... So join us again next week for uh, another edition of Badger Watch! And now it's time for Rosie's Quote of the Week. UKIP candidate for Great Grimsby, Victoria Eiling, asks, what happens when renewable energy runs out? Oh, God. (laughs) She has lost all talking privileges for about (laughs) ten years. How would you how would you answer that question? Really? If she asked that. you that question, what, what would you I don't know, I'd probably say we'd have to get some sort of contingency plan <laughs> in effect for what happens to my beard after I shave it off. What happens to Kira Knightley after I turn the TV off? Shit films. I think we're being a bit harsher now, Rash. I mean it takes a lot of acting and hard work to look that boring on screen. <laughs> Thank you for listening to The Muslims Are Coming. Please join us again next week when we shall be discussing feminism. Bye. Au revoir. That's a bit much, isn't it, Billy?